Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's musical extravaganza double feature is Shock Treatment and the Phantom of the Paradise. Now there's there's a matchup. Richard O'Brien versus Paul Williams for who can write the craziest music. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. No fucking clue what I'm going to do now. So, we'll see. Male gigolo. I wish. I think I'm just going to move to Canada and sleep on Doug's couch. Actually, Solid idea. 50% of the time, there's a bed in my house you don't have yeah. to sleep on the couch those nights until I get pissed I'm like fucking Lando this is bullshit you don't even live here all the time <laughs> Doug likes me more than you <laughs> That that's definitely not true but <laughs> you can like at least room. Star Wars poster up now oh see this is perfect for me you're gonna be working from home and be like bro we're out of Cheez-Its I need you to run to the store for me. What the hell is a Cheez-It? Oh, I don't have Cheez-Its in Canada. Um, right. Do you like a cracker that is cheese flavor? Okay. We do have really? those here. I was going to say, I, Cheez-Its aren't international. That one actually kind of blows my mind. That's one I figured would be everywhere. They might be, and I might just not know. So we have a cheese-flavored cracker here called Nips. Uh, I think it's just like slurps. it's pretty much the same thing. Yep. You say it's a slur? Well, Nips are racial slurs, not against uh, Asian peoples. I do uh, believe any be. any single syllabic word is a racial slur. Those are actually hockey on now? Yes. Have they figured out sort of like a structure? Like, did they start at enough time for there to be, like, actual season and then playoffs and stuff? So what they did is they took, I think, the way it works out, I'm not sure if it's exactly correct, but it's basically all of the teams that were not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't know if this is exactly right, but it's like if you were mathematically guaranteed to be in the playoffs, then you had to play in like a round robin series in each conference to decide how you'd be seated. Okay. And then if you were, you know, either in the playoffs but not mathematically guaranteed your spot or eliminated but not mathematically eliminated, like you were not 
probably not going to make the playoffs, but you still technically could have. Then you had to play like a play-in round to get into the playoffs. So you had to like play a five-game round against some other team to see if you could win. So those are done now, and they're into actual playoffs this week. Interesting. You guys have no idea how any of that shit is working, and I know like the was it the NBA started and. Yeah. Or start them back up, I guess. And they're already getting ready to go to the championship or something. And I'm just like, really? Didn't yeah, we just honestly, like restart? I honestly don't know how the NBA is doing it. Baseball is trying to have a shortened season, but it's getting yeah. really shortened because of how all of it. <laughs> people keep getting sick. So, Like with hockey, they seem to have done a good job of isolating all the players into like, they're literally like all locked in hotels and they're not allowed to go home and they're not allowed to... Yeah, they've taken like there's no other guests in the hotel. They've taken over the hotels entirely and stuff like that. So, mm. and they're all locked in two cities, and that's it. The only, the only way you're allowed out of the hotel is if you uh, lose and get sent home. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Neat. I know. Baseball's kind of fucked right now, just because they're like, yeah, we're playing. Oh, by the way, four people on this team have COVID, so now nobody from that team can play. It's like, God damn it. It's yeah. They just keep like canceling individual games and you're like at some point here you're, you're just gonna have to concede defeat and mm-hmm. oh. I, I, I don't know at some point they just gotta admit that it's not gonna happen but they don't seem to want to do that fucking right. microphone oh yeah much better now yeah we'll see how long that lasts would you put a timer on it no I just I don't know what the fuck's wrong with it well maybe we should just hop in then let you uh talk about these movies that you picked since you love them so much <laughs> son of a why bitch what you guys what you guys calm down your 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 week was not as bad as my week even even with finding out you were losing your job yeah uh i had a neighborhood kid take a pellet gun and shoot all the cars out of my win or all the windows out of my car mm-hmm. and, and uh of course, I only have liability insurance because the car has 320,000 miles on it, and I've owned it for 10 years. Uh, so insurance wouldn't fix it, and the repairs would have cost more than the car. Good times. So I had to, yeah, so that was fucking fun. So you just got one car, car now? Oh, you had to buy yeah, a new car. I had, no, I had to buy a new car. I mean, I got to get to work and shit. I work all the way on the other oh. side of town. Just ride a bike. Uh, I would have to. I would have to buy a bike. But wow. a bike's cheaper than a car. Not not much. <laughs> not much anymore. Doesn't seem like. I don't know. I've bought a bike in a while. Yeah, me neither. I don't think I've ever bought a bike. Now that I think about it, and it's all right. I was just the, the only bad thing is so I was planning on buying a car next year because you know with the wedding and all that kind of stuff, I just don't have cash on hand. I was going to save up a down payment and get a car that was, you know, four or five years old with like 60,000 miles on it. And instead, I had to buy a car that's eight years old, <laughs> has 125,000 miles on it, which means in five years, I'm probably going to have to buy another car. Yeah. So that sucks. That was expensive. That wasn't expensive. Uh, and I really, I'd, I'd really like to know why. Because I'm guessing it was just some random teenager being a dick. That's yeah. probably the case. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Right. 
but it's just I don't even that even just having the knowledge of that's what happened would put me at ease a little bit because no one else's car in the neighborhood got shot up and like I don't live on a corner or on a street you know what I mean my car was parked in the back in the alley where everybody parks I don't I don't know did Jack you, you better any, fuck you right off make anyone else watch these movies this week or uh, I also made other people watch these movies yeah I could view what happened there. The, uh, although that was, although that was Char, so I don't think she would do it because <laughs> she's like, she wait, waits to hear sleep, <laughs> waits to hear sleep, and then walks out. Like, Son of a bitch! I'm going to teach him a lesson. Fucking shock treatment. Fucking singing about a toaster. Got it. <laughs> the best thing is she's out there with one of those pellet guns that like. Uh, you have to pump up like 50 times for it to even do any damage. <laughs> uh, which, which movie do you guys want to start with? Well, I was going to say, Doug, why don't you tell us about Phantom of the Paradise? Because I'm going to assume that one probably irks you less than the other one. It, it irks me less, but it, by way of full disclosure, the other one irked me so much that I didn't watch this one. So, so all I did was go back and listen to, to the last time that I reviewed this movie on a podcast, right. and I'm, I'm prepared to repeat things I said at that point. <laughs> okay. But, but, I mean, it's it's fan of the opera, but it's the 70s and everybody's doing drugs, is the well, description. That's half true. It's, it's, it's Faust. Combined with the Phantom of the Opera yes. in the seventies, and everyone's doing drugs, and Dorian Gray, and a bunch of other yeah. shit. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned all that on episode thirty of the last horror cast. If anybody wow. wants to go back and read this, I wonder is that even still up anywhere? Um, I don't know. I had I had I had all those saved somewhere for some reason. Yeah. It might be up on uh, archive.org. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I anyway, think you can still get it from, I think you can still get last horrorcast stuff off of Geek Nerdery's website. E- maybe. I don't know. Doesn't matter. If you search it, you search it because that's how I found out which episode number to listen to. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually download it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so what did you think of this re-listening to your last review? <laughs> um. Okay, so not exactly my style of movie, but I did think it was an interesting uh, kind of satire on the music industry. I liked the idea of borrowing from the the Faust mythos to have it uh, and applying that to the music industry, the way that these sort of young people are forced to sign their lives away to get to try and achieve their dreams and stuff. Thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I remember. I remember hearing myself say earlier this afternoon from a previous recording that I thought it was interesting that there was social conflict with the prison industrial complex as far back as the 70s, which I think is interesting, considering it's something that you would expect to hear talked about now, but not necessarily back then. With one of the characters went to prison, that they were kind of manufacturing toys and shit. And pulled their teeth out. That was a real thing. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's honestly... I'm probably never going to come on here and speak overly positively about a musical. That's just not going to happen. And this one in particular, I remember like the design of like the costume was just something that I couldn't get my head around. The bike mask with the bird beak attached to the front of it for some reason. And I'm just like, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean uh, it's 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 acid punk, uh, fan of the sure. opera. Yeah, and uh, and I think like the camp elements of the film, I remember working quite well. Um, that whole idea that I actually in my previous commentary compared it to Batman '66, where it's like if you showed this to a kid, it would probably be a horror movie, but when you show it to an adult, it's like a satire, almost comedy. And I think that that worked well. Um, but yeah what did you guys think did you actually watch it uh, I did it's the first time I've ever ever watched it okay Um, I will say that I looked at my phone most of the time uh, so disappointing <laughs> you at least yeah. engage with it a little bit more I own the, the fucking Shout Factory Blu-ray of this one you would of course, of course, I fucking do. It's a it's a fucking Brian De Palma film. It's not like this is inept filmmaking. No, I can agree with that. The other well, movie is inept filmmaking. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I kind of the the type the type of music that they're doing for the most part in this film, I enjoy. It's like that. Uh, like 70s post-rock thing that they were doing, mm-hmm. which I can kind of get into. Except when, the, oddly enough, the main chick who's supposed to be the uh, the great singer that he is enamored with, mm-hmm. she's she's the part that I hate the most. I can't stand listening to her voice. Um, which I was going to ask. So that's Jessica Harper. Was it known that she's in both of these movies when they were put on the list? Uh, no, that was actually completely oh. unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Because uh, I was like looking up stuff about shock treatment and I'm like, she's also in Fam of the Paradise? Did we plan, did we like way plan this out? Nope. nope. Another happy accident. I mean, I, I put them on there just because they're both whacked out fucking musicals. No, they are musicals and they are whacked out. You are correct. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, See, I, 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 I dig most of Fate of the Paradise. I like all the characters. I think, like, mm-hmm. the arc's interesting to a certain extent. Uh, and actually, un, unlike the next movie we'll get to, it has a, a fairly cohesive story arc to it mm-hmm. oh she was on uh, it's Gary Shandling's show I didn't realize that I'll have to go back and watch that um, yeah I don't know I will fall on the uh, sort of as you did last week that I'm just not a fan of musicals so I was not uh, not predestined to enjoy this movie um, and it being a Brian De Palma movie and sort of a weird 70s movie i was hoping that would help overcome that but it did not i was gonna say there's also a a third theme throughout these which is sort of like a a meta textual plot Mm -hmm. where like in this one it's a guy writing a cantata about faust while essentially playing out all of the themes of faust (laughs) all contained within this microcosm of this one nightclub uh, of this one record label. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then, then the second movie, uh, Shock Treatment, kind of does a similar thing, only it's a TV studio instead of a... Yeah. I also didn't realize uh, Bud the Chud was in this as well. <laughs> that, that he was <laughs> in one of his strangest roles. Is which, is, which is saying something, considering he played Bud the Chud. Right. Like the androgynous uh, rock star Beef. Mm-hmm. Who somehow is supposed to be intense and intimidating and uh, a bitch all at the same time. <laughs> it only seems to, uh, well, I guess, spoiler a little bit, but it's from 74. Only became became like giant superstar after he gets electrocuted on stage and dies. Yeah, basically. Yeah, sure, why not? Well, what do you love about this movie, Noah? kind of said some of them but i don't know i uh, this one i pretty much like everything about this movie i know (laughs) know you guys aren't into the musicals i dig the visuals i think that it's just this weird especially this uh this 1970s chic rock and roll allegory of hell that exists within this record studio I, there's just something bizarrely fucking interesting about that. It's just such a weird because it works in a way where you're like, yeah, that makes sense that he would have a circular water bed in the middle of the floor where all of the quote finger singers have to fuck each other while he washes on camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much on the money. Right. And some of the in jokes are pretty funny. So the guy, the guy who plays the, uh, the record executive so he's the person who wrote all the music mm-hmm. for the movie uh, i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he did a paul, bunch of them paul williams yeah yep. yeah and there's just a bunch of random funny little in jokes like the scene where he's recording uh winslow after he's had his voice and stuff destroyed and he's running it through all the filters to get it to sound like a normal person and finally he gets it right and he goes ah perfect uh that's his voice so that's him singing <laughs> mm. so yeah. there's like this self-referencing joke of it's perfect because it's him not because he fixed winslow mm. that's actually a pretty good joke right but i don't know like i said i like all of it i think i think the violence is fairly entertaining like uh when dude gets his, his face burnt with the record press, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, which, that, which, which I had read that he did not want to do that, but they talked him into it. And uh, uh, they, they talked him into yeah. it, and then it fucked up, and it almost killed him. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they had installed, like, a bunch of foam stuff so that it would still work, but it would all be foam, so it would be okay. But then it, like, broke something that was holding it back from using its full force and still almost closed on him. Yep. But, like, I don't know, all that stuff. I, I know a lot of people don't like the freaky bird mask thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I there's something weirdly effective about it where he's this. I, I Especially wearing that shiny black bodysuit that he wears and having the um, the vocoder strapped to his chest so he can talk. He's like a weird. um pseudo sexual disco Darth Vader. <laughs> uh there needs to be a punk Which, band called pseudo sexual punk Darth Vader. <laughs> right. 
It's just weird because it 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 it, it almost has to be on purpose. It has to be like. There's no way it isn't. I don't know. I just dig it. I dig all the little references and stuff. I just think it's a, it's a well put together film. Yeah. Annie kills a dude with a, a neon lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you don't get in every movie. The, is a dude getting that is true. You don't get that in every movie. <laughs> So tell me, what else did you hate about the movie? I don't even know if I hated anything. I was just not engaged with it. So I was kind of bored through most of it. Um, I did think the audition scene was kind of funny where all the women are lined up for audition. And then they go into the room. And if you do a quick peek in the room, you see they just throw them right on a couch. And the big dude just kind of hops on top of them, shut the door. Yeah. Open you know what repeat? the crazy thing is, is I've seen this a bunch of times, and I don't recall that coming off quite as brutal as it was. Because I was like, I, I remember them going in the room, and then it's heavily insinuated that they're just basically raping these girls in this room. But then, this time, I don't know if I was just paying closer attention, or if it was because I had my shiny Blu-ray. But I was like, oh, that is that is way more disturbing in high definition. <laughs> I, I do think that that's um, one of the things this movie gets right is that it uh, it's able to put that really dark commentary and that dark satire, but present it in a way that it doesn't necessarily have the immediate kind of visceral reaction, which I think mm-hmm. makes it more effective as commentary on the music industry. Yeah. Right. So it's like you kind of you, you know that that's what's going on with these girls, but just the way it's presented with everything from like the color format and everything else is just kind of feels campy and fun. And then you realize how dark it is when you stop and think about it. Right. And then I like I love the bad guy too, uh, Swan, because for the most part in the movie, he's he's your stereotypical like devil type character, you know, who's manipulating everybody and talking people into acting against their own best interest and stuff. But then there are those brief moments where you actually get to see exactly how fucking awful he is. And those are the best, like the scene where uh, he's, he's in bed with Phoenix and he's clearly disinterested in her sexual advances and Winslow's watching from the skylight and, you know, making weird, horrible bird faces. <laughs> Cause that's his job in this movie. Uh, and then you find out that uh, Swan's got a camera set up and what he's really enjoying is watching Winslow, <laughs> watching him and being upset. And that's the thing that's getting him off, which that's that's fucked up. That's real fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, I was kind of like, ew, gross. I think it's supposed to be gross. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like him watching him on the on the monitor while he's doing it. Not just recording it to, like, watch later and enjoy, but, like, now i got to turn the TV on so I can see him seeing me. Right. Doug, do you have any vague memories of this movie? (laughs) I do. I remember remember laughing at the giant camera that was being used to film them in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's huge and blatantly there, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like. I, I don't know how else. I don't think they had such a thing as a hidden camera at that point in time. It was probably on film. They probably had to have it fucking processed before they could go back and watch the sex tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Noah, do you have anything else you'd like to educate us with before we move on? No, I will not drag this out. This could end up being a short week because I don't know what I'm supposed to say about the next movie too much either. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, like, you guys can just say why all the reasons you don't like it and all the parts of the movie you dislike. Well, I said it was musical. Yeah, but I think... I think shock treatment uh, might deserve a little more beratement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's All definitely right. the worst of the two movies. Well, why don't you tell us about <laughs> shock treatment? Phantom, Phantom, of the, Phantom of the Paradise is a Brian De Palma film. <laughs> this is not. Yeah, why don't you try to tell us about Because I watched that one and I don't know what it was about. Okay, so, so this, this film is the spiritual sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, so they say spiritual, but I mean it's got the same seven. characters from Rubber. Yeah, but there's no but there's no reference to the other film having had happened. Yeah, I guess. So it is a yeah. so like, But it stars it stars a lot of the same actors and actresses. Uh the guy who obviously wrote all the music and stuff is back. Uh the guy who played Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show, along with Mija and Columbia and uh, the dude who does the intro bits, <laughs> who takes a more major role in this one. Uh, but so, God, this this film's so fucking hard to explain. <laughs> so Brad and Janet return to their hometown in which in this movie, their hometown is entirely capsulated within a movie studio or a television studio, I should say, where all of their lives are basically just spectated dramas for other people to watch. And your popularity is based kind of on your fame. Uh, There turns out to be an evil guy who wants to fuck Janet and get rid of Brad, uh, who we find out at the end of the movie is Brad's twin brother. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, is that what that meant? Yes. I still was confused by that whole situation. Yeah, he's Brad's twin brother. That's why he's played by the same guy. No, I, mean, I knew they were the same guy, but I'm just like, I don't know. This whole this whole movie was insanity to yes. me. So... So basically, they're sucked into a game show similar to the newlywed game. Uh, This guy talks Janet into thinking that there's something wrong with Brad because he's not exciting. (laughs) Therefore, needs to (laughs) go to a mental health facility. Uh, And that's it. And then they pretty much try to seduce Janet through making her more and more famous and popular while edging her toward the twin brother. And uh, burying Brad. See, I didn't get any of that by watching the movie. Just so <laughs> me, me neither. I would not have guessed that that's what the plot of this movie was. I mean, so the problem is, in order to get the plot of this movie, one would have to pay very close attention to the movie, which I'm assuming you guys listened to the first song and were like, no! <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure if, I don't know if I, you'd said listen to the whole first song or not. I was I was checked out pretty quickly on this one. Um, I was watching it while I worked, so I definitely wasn't paying attention. <laughs> they really, so they really, really fucked up because uh, 
Welcome to Denton is a terrible fucking song. And Bitchin' in the Kitchen, which is the second song of the movie, is actually fairly entertaining and weird and funny. Is that the one about the toaster? Yes, that's the one where they're watching commercials and singing about the items they're seeing. Okay, I didn't enjoy that either. I don't know if I can tell you. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if I'd want to get into ranking it, but those first two songs... I was like, oh, dear God. And that's, I think I messaged you guys and was like, is there any chance I'm going to enjoy any individual <laughs> element to this film on any level? And essentially the response was, no, you're not. Um, and you guys were right about that. <laughs> um, Refrigerator. Why you will be sooner or later. Have you ever seen the uh, or crying in the bedroom all night? Have you ever watched Rocky Horror, Doug? Have I ever watched it? Yes, it's no. been a while. Because uh, when I was trying to recollect, I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched the whole movie. I may have seen the whole movie by catching pieces here and there, but I don't know if I've ever like seen it from beginning to end. That's my main experience with it is that. I think I watched yeah. it once a bunch of years ago, start to finish, but it's not. Even that one is not <laughs> for me, which is like, Right. If that musical isn't for me, then I don't know how anyone is going to be. I go to a midnight movie showing a Rocky Horror Picture Show almost every year. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'd contemplate that if you went to one of the shows where the people are dressed up and then they're, mm-hmm. you know, it is it is I, intense I, and weird sometimes. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in that experience, but not in just watching a movie where everybody's singing for no reason. And I don't think I would go to one of those. I think if, like, Amanda was like, hey, they're doing this Rocky Horror thing, I kind of want to go. I'd be like, cool, let's go. But I don't think I would be the one sort of initiating that scenario. No. When, I said I might go to that, but those things happen every year around Halloween, and I've never been to one. So. Yeah. When I was college and I was not grotesquely obese, I went to one dressed as Rocky, which basically means I spent the whole night in a pair of uh, yeah. gold bikini. I got bottoms. That's, it was pretty yeah. fun. I've, I've switched my answer over to I don't want to go to one of those. <laughs> so here's, so here's, a, here's the biggest thing about them. There is kind of a tradition of making people feel uncomfortable. And, and that's like part of the thing, because obviously that movie has a huge following with like the LGBT crowd and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have this bad habit of if there is someone there who's visibly uncomfortable with what's going on, that's the fucking person. And they go after them. You know what I mean? Like just, and just to make them as unfucking comfortable as they can. And I don't know if that is a good or bad thing. I'm leaning toward bad. Is it borders? It borders on harassment. Like, <laughs> but you gotta know what you're going into as well. Well, but I think once again, there's also a tradition of not letting people know what they're getting into, and just being like, "Just come. You don't have to dress up. It'll be fun." And then, ten minutes later, you have some swarthy drag queen trying to give you a shoulder rub. <laughs> Which, if you have a sense of humor and you're not uncomfortable with that kind of stuff, is hilarious. But if you're 
uptight and nervous, that is unfortunate for you. But yeah. yeah. So I did read that apparently they did offer the roles of Brad Janet to the original two, Susan Sarandon and uh, Barry Bostwick. Mm-hmm. And they both were busy, so they both passed. I so. was, was going to say, I think the the thing that kills this movie the most is the lack of Tim Curry. Well, like, I would argue that that's, that's for every movie ever made. <laughs> right. But, I, but I'm saying, like, the type, the type of humor in this uh, is less sexually charged, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. But the style of music's the same, like the the general feel of it's the same. But without Tim Curry and his psychotically magnetic charisma driving the film, I just don't think you you. You just don't have it. Like, there's no one on that set that is as charismatic as him ever. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you've also got a movie that has that makes no damn sense. That's hard to follow. You got songs that are annoying at best, being sung in a terrible way. Tim Curry couldn't save this. You'd have to yeah. have every character played by Tim Curry to save this movie. <laughs> I was gonna say, and there's a whole bunch of weird like in jokes in this that I don't. I don't even think you could possibly pick up on it the first time you watch it. Did you guys pick up on the fact that the uh, the game show host guy is a Nazi? No. no. Right. He, there's Because there's only like two little lines in the entire movie where he says something. And if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, okay, he's a Nazi. I get it. Like, <laughs> no. I had no idea. But somehow I've picked up on the fact that the... Uh, Mortuary guy from Return of the Living Dead is a Nazi, but did I pick up on this one? Well, yeah, I don't know. Like, this movie was so bad that I kept trying to ignore it, but then it gets so annoying that I couldn't. Which is a real problem. (laughs) You didn't like the five and a half minute song about little black dresses? No, I did not enjoy that at all. That was one of the low points of the movie for me actually it's actually so i'll i i'm i'm with you on one part i'm i'm with you on the fact that it's a low point in the movie because there's no purpose that to that song being a thing but at the same time i kind of fucking like that song a lot no there's no song in this movie that i liked a lot that's not a thing which we should mention janet is played by jessica harper from previous movie we just talked about thus completing our dual theme accidentally yep and brad is the dad from flight of the navigator <laughs> yes which who knew he could sing if he actually did or not i still don't feel comfortable saying he can sing after watching this movie i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> like it's possible that he can sing and he just chose not to let him in this i don't know I do like the fact that of all the things that they decided to carry over from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is the fact that uh, obviously the characters are different, but the the actor and actress who play Riff Raff and Magenta are still an incestuous set of brother and sister, which is fucking weird. It's weird that that was the thing. They were like, you know what? We'll make them brother and sister again. I don't know. That's not weirder to me than having a song about a little back 
dress and a song about a toaster in the same movie. So I'm not really I I'm just not really that surprised, but I I am so fucking disappointed. Out out of all the things in this movie that you could hate, Bitchin' in the Kitchen is a fucking masterpiece of music. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, just, like that was probably the moment where I just realized there's no way because that first song is annoying as hell and it is way too long and it was driving me nuts then that second song hits and I'm just like Jesus fucking Christ they're just gonna keep doing this like how many lines of spoken dialogue are there in this movie like four everything else is a 12 minute song about nothing that's about right I hated it <laughs> I hated this movie micro digital awaker why sooner or later uh, it's so good I want to go back and like change my reviews of other movies that had actors from this movie in them to make complain about those actors more in those other movies because now I won't be able to enjoy those <laughs> other movies anymore, I think of this movie Aww. I hated this movie every time Poor. you try to watch Flight of the Navigator you're going to be like fucking toaster song <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, I didn't recognize the guy either. And then you guys mentioned it, I think, in the chat earlier. And I'm like, fuck, it is him. That's not him. <laughs> I like Flight of the Navigator, man. <sighs> he was He's also been in, in a bunch uh, of stuff that we've uh, done. Eh? Like, yeah, he was also in that Pulse movie with Joey Lawrence that we did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he was just 80s dad. Like in yeah, he was in a lot of stuff. Wasn't he one of the victims in The Dentist? I keep thinking. I might be wrong about that Maybe. one. He was but I know he keeps coming up. He was in FX, which I just watched recently. So. Yeah. He's everywhere. I kind of want to say he was in one of the Killer Cat movies that we did. Maybe. Seen the Killer Cat on a boat movie? Or that one was called? <laughs> well, that sounds invited. about right. <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> Not, not the uninvited. It's just uninvited, right? Oh, because there's uninvited. another movie called yeah. The Uninvited. Yeah, that was yeah. like a different movie. Yeah. Oh, the good old days when we could just talk about killer cats on a boat instead of having to deal with this shit. <laughs> I we should apologize for our listeners. This is gonna be a crap episode because it's just me bitching a little bit here and there, and then just fading out while occasionally Brian bitches and then fades out and then Noah just is like but I like him this is not a good <laughs> podcast that's alright not every episode is gold like every episode so far has been see I I had figured that, that this episode might not bring you guys joy but I wasn't expecting it just to bring you sadness <laughs> it's like okay, so I watched Shock Treatment on. We record this on a Thursday. I think I watched Shock Treatment on either Sunday night or Monday night. I haven't watched a movie or a television show since then. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't. I've, want to. I've killed Doug's enjoyment of cinema. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. And 
unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So b- before your week was ruined, did you watch anything else, Doug? Um, I only did one movie, which was uh, I revisited uh, Batman Returns for the first time since the 90s. Right. For some reason, I don't I don't really know why I chose to do that, but uh, that's a weird fucking movie, man. <laughs> that one's, I, I that one's never it. that one's never been high in my rotation either. It's, really, that's that's one of my Christmas movies. Yeah. Like, I, I did I enjoyed it. I think it holds up really well. I have no idea what they were thinking, like because there's like the standard controversy you hear about that movie, which is that. Like they were making kids' toys to put in McDonald's Happy Meals, and then Tim Burton turns over this just god awful horrific movie with fucking penguin men and all this shit in it. And you're like, uh, how are we? What are we? But it's so weird because it's not like, okay, so fine, but it's not a serious take on comics. It's not accurate to comic book history. It's not designed to appeal to a kid's audience. What the fuck were they thinking when they made this movie? <laughs> it's so weird. You're just well, like, okay, there's Batman. He he looks like Batman, and he's driving the cool Batmobile from the last movie. And you just let that guy on fire right on screen, and we're going to watch him burn for a minute. You're like, that's fun. That's a fun version of Batman to be playing with. Well, I think I think what happened was... See, Batman made a gajillion dollars, so they were just like, yeah, Tim Burton, you you just do whatever you want. And he's like, well, I want to do this crazy stuff. And they're like, yeah, here's here's a giant pile of money. You just just do whatever. And they just let him do whatever he wanted. (laughs) And this is what happened. It's like, it's so weird, because I mean, like, to turn, like, there's scenes of Danny DeVito in, like, this weird, like, you put Danny DeVito, who's already, like, a chubby guy, and then you put him about in the body fat suit. suit. You put him in this fat suit, but then you've got him eating, like, raw fish live on, <laughs> live on camera, and you're like, how, why is that happening exactly? <laughs> he bites a guy's nose off for seemingly no reason, because the guy doesn't like his hair, and you're like, oh, all, all right. And you've got this weird, like, version of Catwoman in there. It might be supernatural. It might not. I don't know. It, and by weird so version, strange. do you mean sexy version? <laughs> sure, yeah. No problem with that. Because but... I remember being a child, and that probably ushered me into manhood. <laughs> <laughs> She looks good. The suit looks good. The suit that's made out of, like, a coat that she had in her apartment already that looks like that for some reason. <laughs> um, it could have been Halle Berry. Is, so. How does a coat cover one's entire body? Yeah. And, like, her mask gets destroyed more than once in the movie, and she just has a new one. But she go and buy more of that coat when she was... <laughs> Again, I don't think you're meant to be asking these detailed questions. What happened like, to Vicky Vale? Come on. Oh no, they there's actually dialogue about that. It's not a question. I know. She's but... a there's there something about how she couldn't handle it, so she left. And you're leaving out the fact that they just threw in fucking Christopher Walken for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Walken's just an evil businessman for some reason. Yeah. It doesn't make fuck, any sense. And then they went and hired it. 
They went out and they hired like an actor who I swear to God is doing a Christopher Walken impression to play Christopher Walken's son. <laughs> it's just like, can you do a Christopher Walken impression? No, not really. Fine, we're gonna hire you to play his son, and you're gonna do a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> I said I couldn't do it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Son, have you seen the Catwoman costume? Nobody's gonna be looking at you. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the whole movie makes no sense. Is he in, like, weird little things? Like, at one point, Penguin and his, like, evil, like, circus gang just have blueprints for the Batmobile, and nobody addresses how they got those. They just have them. They're like, okay. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if that's how it works. And there's, like, really weird shots of Batman where it's like, he's in the bat cave and he's gonna he's like oh i'll get my caught my bat suit on and he goes over and there's a bunch hanging there and he flips through them like as if he's flipping through different suits to pick one but they're all exactly the same and then he like goes over and there's like a whole bunch of the exact same pairs of boots in a row and a bunch of the cowls and i'm like i don't i don't know what's (laughs) happening in this like it's so weird (laughs) again a lot of the movie is quite entertaining it's quite good some of the dialogue is absolutely cringe-inducing. Like, when they... Uh, I'm just trying to think of examples, but it's like, at one point in time, like, Batwoman and... Or Batman and Catwoman are fighting, and he actually says, like, eat floor. It's high in fiber. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> How did that make it into a major motion picture? But, you know, they were doing their best, I guess. Got fired. yeah you gonna make your way up to uh, batman and robin i don't think so but i'm contemplating watching batman forever yeah yeah i don't think batman and robin is in the cards for me i i saw that once in theaters when it came out no i I think that was enough we're gonna do do batman I was going to say, it's going to forever be a disappointment that we did not get Lando as Two-Face. Yeah. I mean, we sort, we sort of eventually did. Third. Yeah, I suppose. I was going <laughs> to say, but the... He got it in the, the Lego movie, but... Movie. <laughs> but would, like, would he have been a good Two-Face at that time? Was Tommy Lee Jones a good Two-Face at that time? I doubt it. But well, it no, wasn't. he wasn't. It's, it's goddamn Billy D. Williams. Yeah, but it's Billy D. Williams, and it would have been the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Billy D. Williams in the seventies and eighties. I actually would have been, been interested to see what that turned out like. I would have I'm been sure stoked to see those Two Face Colt Forty Five commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro that. Oh, could you imagine? So could you imagine if you? Uh... You could have got him for the uh, taste great, less filling commercials, like as Two Face arguing oh, with himself. That's, that's <laughs> again. You could still do that if the marketers <laughs> listen to this. That option's still on the table. Oh, gotta, that's genius. Got to flip a coin to see which one. I kind of hope. I. I I kind of hope that they do make this, uh, do the Batman Beyond movie with uh, Michael Keaton as old Batman. Mm-hmm. Because then you could bring in all these actors as old versions of <laughs> the bad guys. 
Well, he's supposed to be, was it the Flash movie now? Because they're basically yeah. doing Flashpoint because they don't know what else to fucking do. And so he's returning as Batman. Really? Yeah, have you not seen that? I, I have not seen that. Oh, yeah. But I, I'd like to see them back away for a bit and then, you know, then do your Batman Beyond movie, which I still think is not a bad idea. Yeah. But, you know, just, just back away. Don't try to mix it into your current bullshit. Cause... I'd like to see them make the decision that Warner Brothers uh, can't be fucking trusted with superhero movies. <laughs> they suck. So they should just yeah. let other people make their characters and pay them money for it. Well, yeah, I, don't, I just... Warner Brothers doesn't seem to have an interest in making a good movie. So if you just negotiated some deal where they still get some of the money or whatever... It's got to be a way to do it. They get somebody who gives a shit about making a good movie in charge of making the movies. Yeah. You guys want want to know a fun fact? Uh, episode thirty of thirty of the last horrorcast was the last podcast I ever recorded before seeing Dawn of Justice in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go back and listen to it, you can hear me being like, "I don't know, man. It looks real bad." It looks real bad, and Man of Steel wasn't any good, but I guess I'm gonna see it. <laughs> Just like. It's funny. And it's like, oh, it's so sweet and innocent. But I thought it was just going to be bad, not a fucking the abysmal excuse for a film that it was. God damn, Zack Snyder. <laughs> so is anybody ex- going to watch uh, Snyder Cut? No, I don't see why. I, I got HBO. Oh. If somebody if somebody fucking records that bitch and hands it to me for free and says, watch this, I'll watch it. And then I'll I'll be upset whenever it's worse. I could probably, I I could probably make that happen, at least for now. Is is Justice League as bad as I think it is? Because I haven't actually seen it. Oh, yeah, it's not good. I turned it on one night and kind of fell asleep and woke up in the middle and watched a scene and went back to sleep and woke up later and it was almost over, so I just turned it off. That's my knowledge of that movie and it wasn't, Nothing that I saw in those things made me go. I should just start that getting and watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. On the on the scale of bad uh, superhero movies, I would much rather watch Nicolas Cage's fucking Ghost Rider again <laughs> than watch that goddamn movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of me is curious to see to to maybe rewatch Justice League to see how bad it is, and then. Watch the Snyder Cut to see if it's any better. That maybe uh, might be my uh, research for the podcast. I just the, the fuck that what the I what Warner Brothers doesn't seem to ever fucking get is one of the things that makes the Marvel movie so fucking compelling is that they take the time to develop the villain a little bit and and you know give them motivations and stuff that the audience understands that can agree or disagree with and all that kind of stuff. And they just fucking Warner Brothers just slap some dumb shit in. And it's like, no, they look cool. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's definitely well, Zack Snyder. Cause there is the stories of Ben Affleck when he was supposed to write and direct and star in a Batman movie. And people, including me, were actually kind of excited for that. And he's like on an interview said like yeah he'd like walk into Warner Brothers and say look I need another month we can't get the script quite right and they'd 
be like, why do you need to get the script right? It's just a superhero movie. Just do whatever. And it's like, ugh. And that's like, I that's why he walked away, in my opinion. I don't think it has anything to do with anything else. It's just a matter of they wouldn't let him make a good movie because they didn't care if it was a good yeah, movie. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, uh, Steppenwolf in, <laughs> in fucking Justice League, he just, like, shows up. That's it. It's just like yeah. Step, Steppenwolf at the end of the movie, and you're like, okay, he's just a big, badly CGI doofus that all these guys are going to fight. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have a protracted, that. bad CGI fight. That was Some done of, justice, too, though, right? So. Yeah. Some of that could be uh, uh, the difference between the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut, considering Joss Whedon like, redid like, two-thirds of that movie. I was going to say, all the stuff I read, Josh, Joss Whedon said he added a bunch of scenes with dialogue in them mm-hmm. because there wasn't any. Yeah. And and the the only scenes of that movie that are any good are when the characters are just interacting with each other, and that's it. Like, all the, the action's bad. Well, we know Whedon can write and direct, like dialogue scenes between superheroes that are fun to watch, right? Because he's done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was never really in question. But Well, and then the problem with that is you're putting that humor in a movie that's meant to be a lot darker. Whether the movie should be a lot darker is a whole different comparison. But yeah. So I think the two well, styles just butt up against each other and don't help and, each and other. I think that's where the the suits at Warner Brothers just don't understand movie making at all mm. is they're like, oh, this movie was dark and grim, and people didn't like it. So the next movie, we should just make it happier. And it's like, no, people watch dark and grim movies all the fucking time. People love the Nolan Batman trilogy. Uh, pretty dark, pretty grim. Didn't bug people because it was quality filmmaking. People want to see quality movies. They're not... Uh, necessarily going to want to watch something that's happy they're not necessarily going to want to watch something that's dark it doesn't need to be funny but it can be funny as long as it's good and people just don't fucking get that arguably it doesn't even need to be good I mean look at Michael Bay's entire career oh fuck I don't understand I still the Transformers movies I don't understand that whole thing I'm just saying if people the I think only one thing matters at the end of a film, especially as far as making money, were people entertained by it? And if a vast section of the population are entertained by it, it doesn't matter how fucking bad it is. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, I understand that. The part I don't understand is why people are entertained by bad movies, I guess. Like, uh, to be in the interest of fairness to the Transformers series, I only watched the first two. But Yeah, me too. I was not entertained by them. Like I'd be after uh, more entertained if there were, you know, well-developed characters and if they actually, uh, the fact that they transformed into something mattered because they just made them so they could transform into anything, which is not fun. After like, uh, after Robot Heaven, I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. Was it? I've, I, have I told you guys the story before about that movie? I took my so. niece and nephew to. I took my niece and nephew to it, and when Robot Heaven showed up. I, 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 I cracked. 
and I go, oh, fucking Michael Bay. And I yelled it out in the middle of the theater, but I didn't mean to. And I just remember my niece looks at me, and she's like, are you not enjoying the movie, Uncle Doug? <laughs> I'm just like, no. And I just kind of like tapped out and tried to like ignore it for the rest of the movie until it was over. But I was like, because it came out the same year as fucking Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which also had ghosts in it for no good reason. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening here? Why are there so many ghosted uh, movies where they don't belong this year? Yeah, and I haven't seen it, but I've heard the Bumblebee movie is actually more of what Transformer movie should have been. And Michael Bay didn't direct that one. Yeah. Which is which is ironic because I'll never see it because the other ones. <laughs> nah, yeah, I'm no, gonna watch I, it. I'm the same way. I, I but like Bay and Snyder are the same in that they think like people go to the movies and I guess they're not wrong in the fact that movies make money they think people are there just to watch bright shiny lights and nobody cares what the story is and nobody cares what the characters are and it's like well I do and it pisses me off when they take these properties that have potential and ruin them by just doing these shitty versions of them it's like just yeah. get out of the way I feel like, I feel like I tell if you guys you could do like the... uh, Avengers Endgame has like the best of both worlds it has like a decent enough story and then some awesome action well, and, stuff and endgame does like you could argue not so much endgame but certainly infinity war and and uh, yeah to a certain extent even even with endgame like you could say okay the storyline isn't necessarily that strong like it's but it's also a culmination of years of building up to it. Yeah, so sure. it's, it's essentially the climax of a series of films. And yeah, the climax is supposed to be where everything is big mm. and blows up and is exciting. And you're not necessarily still developing characters. You're just paying off moments from what was developed previously. Mm. Where the MCU gets that right is they're paying off moments from 23 lead-up films in this climax. Mm. For sure. But you have to have lead up moments or else the climax doesn't have any impact. Yeah. Yeah. I Sorry, had somebody, what were you saying now? Oh, I had somebody a week or two ago uh, at work was talking to me and they were like, you're a big movie person, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of movies. And they were like, do you have any recommendations for like... <laughs> Don't ever random, ask that. Random action movie stuff. Well, no, I was like, well, tell me what kind of movies you like and I'll, I'll point you towards some stuff that's like that and it, she goes well my favorite movie is Sucker Punch and I wanted to be like get out <laughs> <laughs> see see that's I was like I don't know how to gently tell you that that movie is fucking garbage like see and somebody somebody better like me if they're gonna ask like I better like them if they're gonna ask me that question because if I don't like you I know some movies that will fuck your world up that I will recommend <laughs> and you could watch them. Oh, good Lord. Oh, my God. I just pointed them toward they hadn't seen Wonder Woman yet. So I was like, go see Wonder Woman. And I was like, there's a movie with a female lead that's not garbage. Like <laughs> uh, one time a coworker long time ago, she was like in her maybe early 40s, maybe had just turned 40. And we were talking movies. And then she out loud said, oh, my God, we watched RV the other night. That was the funniest movie I've ever seen. So I stopped talking to her about movies. This conversation makes me sad. Doug, did you watch anything else? <laughs> no, I watched I watched that one movie. And then the next day I watched 
your shock treatment, and then I haven't. I've only, I've watched some sports and some news since then, but no entertainment. <laughs> You're like, since then, I have only eaten butter toast and cried. <laughs> butter toast. Did you watch anything, Noah? Uh, yeah, I watched oh, a couple God. things. <laughs> it's gonna be up to me to save this episode. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ! I said I watched a couple things. Yeah, but there was a no. lot. There, there was kind of a big like uncertainty in your voice when I asked you if you had seen anything. Well, I mean, that's oh, because God. I watched the Toxic Avenger and uh, the Toxic Avenger Part Two. I saw uh, that uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman posted that apparently Troma's YouTube channel got banned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> apparently they got a big old notice from YouTube that it, you know, violates community standards or some bullshit and basically has banned them from YouTube, meaning they can't just sign up for a new account like they have completely banned them. I can kind of see that. I mean, I suppose I bet they his not not necessarily their movies, mm. but uh, some of his like PSA stuff that he likes to do. I'm sure violates their community standards because he promotes uh, drug use and prostitution pretty loudly. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a joke, but is it though? I I think so. He has a very lovely wife. Yeah, I think in reality he's a very nice person. But I think he he puts on the carnival barker act, and it has to be crazy and extreme and whatever, because yep. that's the only way he knows how to get any attention. No, oh, yeah, for sure he amps everything up to yeah. eleven for the sake of. That's you know, how he makes his money is by making yeah. sure everyone's looking at him, and a few of those people will pay to see the rest of the movie, kind of thing. Yeah, and I. I think a lot of it's just he he plays to his base. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like he knows he knows who the people are that that back him up. No, I, I think that's fair and it's reasonable, but I also can understand why YouTube doesn't necessarily want it happening. So, so I'm assuming you have these on DVD. Actually, I do not. Oh, I do not. I had to watch. I had to watch them on the internet. I keep. I've been telling myself for years that I'm gonna blow a hundred dollars and buy the box set that's got like all the stuff in it and I never do it I don't know why I thought there was like a cheap collection out at all the movies there is but I don't want the cheap collection I want the box set that has (laughs) the cartoon and all the extras fair enough which they only did a limited run of so it tends to sell for more than it's worth which makes me sad I hate when they do limited runs of shit. But yeah, no, it's it's still good. <laughs> Entertains me every time. Good violence, some boobs, weird toilet humor, trauma. You guys know trauma. We've been there. We've we've established that you guys uh, get upset every time I pick trauma. <laughs> I just really wish I liked trauma. I just I don't know. I just can't do it. I get I get why people can't do it. Mm-hmm. I just personally like it for the most part. Yeah. I mean, even even I have my limits. There are certain trauma movies that are just fucking bad, uh, especially the later ones where now they think that the joke is that it's a joke. 
if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. They like became too self-aware and that's where I lost interest. I like stuff that is irreverent and funny. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. a joke that look at us and how irreverent and funny we are. If that, yeah. if that makes sense. I feel like when, when it became to the, when it came to the point that it's like, Oh, well this is, this is a trauma style. That's when it kind of was too in on the joke. And right. I started to feel like if they were filming something and like, well, you have to do a, a trauma style. Trauma style type of movie. And maybe that was the problem. Yeah, I think so. Did, did yeah. you watch did you watch anything else? No, no, just that. Good lord. This is gonna be a short episode. It is. Unless uh, you watched a hundred movies. No, I got two that I can talk about. Um, I watched, but I did watch a, uh, me and Amanda watched the boys, which was a rewatch for me. Fuck yeah. And, uh, still awesome. Can't wait for season two to come up. So still a lot I keep of forgetting that umbrella Academy season two's out. I need to fucking watch that. Yeah. You need to watch it. Where'd you, where are you at on that? Doug, have you cut, have you watched anymore or were you just like, no. fuck it. I couldn't watch anything this week because <laughs> threw your TV out the window. It's I, I will see. I still want to go back and watch it, but I'm honestly I'm at the point of like I don't know if I'll oh. I don't know if I'll ever watch anything again. I feel like I need to do like an appeasement, like you do with a, a, a kid who you accidentally like bump their head into a wall. Be like, Doug, will make you would make you feel better. If I rewatch the Blair Witch Project, which I hate, <laughs> I don't need you to be sadder. I need me to be happier. <laughs> and yes, there's some correlation between the two. <laughs> uh, I'll watch Blair Witch Project and this periodically take selfies and post them to Instagram of me making sad faces. <laughs> It might help. Try it and see what happens. <laughs> um, let's see. About a witch, but there's no witch in this movie. It's just <laughs> people running around in the woods. That's all right. Watch the movie Blair Witch, like the the sequel, and then just be angry about that. Watch, we should make him watch Book of Shadows. Yeah, but no one would probably like that one. This is possible. <laughs> is it found footage? No. No. It's actually a very meta right. movie where I think the original movie is a movie in that one, but it's based off of a true story. I don't know. Crazy. It's weird. I, think, I think the first movie actually happened. Like it was actually a true story in the second, wasn't it? Like they actually found the tapes kind of thing. Okay. So what it was is they released the movie, but they played into the fake marketing they did uh, with the first movie in saying that it was real. So in the second movie, the movie was released to theaters, but it was real. Right. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it has been a while. So Yeah. I saw exactly once, and that was probably once too many. I wonder if I, I think I might have seen that one in theaters. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I watched a movie called Sweet 16, which is a slasher from the 80s. Um, it was okay. So, of course, a new girl moves to town. Seems like a lot of the guys are in love with her. 
and then uh, people start dying. So is the new girl killing people? Is someone killing people that like the new girl? Like, what's going on? And it all culminates on her 16th birthday party. Um, yeah, it's all right. I feel like it doesn't really do anything super original. And when they sort of wrap everything up, you're like, that was it? That That's, that's what we're going with? And, yeah, it's all right. It's not one of your top the tier killer slashers. was... Bob. I wish it was Bob. Oh, it was uh, Bob? Yeah, it was no. Bob. Oh, <laughs> fuck, that's crazy. Being a goofy. Um, now, there's just a very... There's there's very much a reveal and then a scene, like, from the end of Psycho where they have a guy come in and explain everything. And then you're like, oh, so that's what happened? Well, that's kind of dumb. And then roll credits. <laughs> All right. I, I've actually been thinking about watching that one because I think it popped yeah. up on one of the free services. Like I said, it's okay. It's not like one of the worst ones I've ever seen, but I don't know. There's just, it's, it's definitely missing that little something that would have made it a good classic 80s slasher. Uh, so after that, I watched a movie called Cut and Run which is a New World Pictures movie. Um, so a reporter, sort of an investigative reporter, who's investigating uh, rampant drug trafficking in L.A., uh, stumbles across this thing that will take her to the Amazon jungle and turns out her her news chief... His son is missing. Turns out they're both the same story, and she didn't know it. Um, so she heads down to heads down to Am- to the Amazon to uh, sort of figure out this drug trafficking bullshit. Um, runs into uh, that dude's son who has escaped from this camp where they make the slaves make the drugs, and. The guy is played by Willie Ames, most known for Scott Bayo's best friend in Charles in Charge. That's what you think he's best known for? Yeah. Or My or my Three Sons. I mean, he was well known for that, I guess. But I didn't watch that. Um, so, it turns out, you know, it's all the same thing. They get caught up in this whole shenanigans and are running from the weird militant gorillas that are kind of in charge of the drug running and of course there's also a cannibal tribe although you never see them eat people but you know they got the loincloths and they they uh get around in like the tree made canoes and stuff and for some reason which i never really put together they're led by michael berryman i, I don't know why but sure I would say why not. I agree with why not, but I feel like someone would look at this and just be like, uh, so they're just following this white dude around for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. This it's this white dude who's a, a slightly better known actor than the other people. So that's true. Well, there's actually a lot of people in this movie. Um, like I said, Willie Ames, super famous Willie Ames, uh, Michael Berryman, um, was it uh, 
Eric LaSalle pre pre ER. Okay, maybe that was it. I thought there was more people, and I guess not. Uh, it was directed by Ruggiero Diodato, though, and apparently okay. they wanted they wanted him to do a sequel to Cannibal Holocaust, and he was like, nah, and decided to do this instead. Uh, the trivia is that this is actually a script from Wes Craven, who. Uh, was working with this company to do this movie and then the financing fell apart and then they basically kept his script and he was not very happy about it but then you know said fuck it it's not worth fighting over and just went off and did something else um, I think he he directed Nightmare on Elm Street since then so I'm sure he was you know, fuck that weird jungle movie. I'll just do this instead. Um, again, just an okay movie. It's not quite as uh, fun and actiony as I wanted, and not quite as um, uh, dark and horrific as I wanted. It was just sort of okay. Just it's kind tough of tough when they try to when they walk that middle ground and it's a movie like that, where you're like, I thought this was going to be really upsetting, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just it, it was too clean cut eighties, I guess, and I was kind of hoping for a little bit more from it. Trailer's cool, because um, that's kind of what turned me on to it. I was uh, found a playlist on YouTube and just had it up one night of just New World Pictures trailers, which is Corman's company, of course, and uh, just had that running. And this popped up, and I'm like, hey, I've never even heard of this movie. And then I watched it and. I know why. Um, and then the last thing I could talk about is I watched a documentary called Six Days to Air, The Making of South Park. Which it's really good. It is really good. Um, not a big fan of South Park. Like, I feel South Park has moved past me. It's just not, I'm just not interested in watching it every week. Um, but a documentary about how they make an episode of South Park is really fascinating because for an animated show, it is shocking how they put it together literally in like five or six days. And that is from nothing, like no idea, no script, no nothing. And then they just sit around and bullshit and then come up with an idea for an episode and they have, you know, they have their own studio. So there's animators in-house and <clears throat> everything else. And then they just put the episode together within like six days and then send it off to Comedy Central. That's kind of fascinating that they can turn around like that. Yeah. For an animated show. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. You can tell, that, you can tell they do because it's so current when you do watch it. Mm-hmm. But it's like kind of fascinating. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in that documentary just to see how the hell they do it. It's yeah. it's interesting, like watching the process and stuff, and seeing like Trey Parker, who has I don't know, what fucking season are they on now? Thirty probably. Yeah, season uh, fuckload, and although his movies uh, didn't do super well, they're kind of all cult classics. Yeah. It, just seeing the fact that he still is in that mind frame that he thinks that every episode he makes that this is the one this is the bad one you know what i mean this is the one that's going to tank his career you know 
Yep. Yeah, this documentary is from 2011, and they were just coming off of Book of Mormon opening on Broadway, and it was literally like they were at the opening for Book of Mormon, and they're like, oh, yeah, the next couple of days we, we go back into production on the next season of South Park. So then you just spend the next week with them, and it's literally them sitting in the writer's room, and Bill Hader's there because... I found out that after he left SNL, he went and worked on South Park. And I think maybe even was working while he was on SNL, like during the summer break or whatever. So he would go be in the writer's room and they would uh, literally just sit and just bullshit forever to come up with an idea. And the one they focus on in this episode is the human centipede episode. So apparently Kyle says okay on the iTunes update and there's some weird clause that it's okay for them to put you in the middle of a human centipede if you hit okay. Yeah, they can they can abduct you and so you mouth the anus to another person. Yeah. So it's literally just them sitting around coming up and they're like just start like, you know, okay, well, what if Kyle clicks this? And he's like, oh, no, now I'm in a human centipede. And they're like, you know, just like throwing shit out. And and they even like Matt Stone and Trey Parker like talk. So they're even worried about the cameras being in the writer's room because the writer's room is like such a sacred space where you can just throw out anything. And, you know, it's not throw out something – and it doesn't work, and everybody's like, that sucks. You suck. And then, you know, people are scared to, like, say anything. So they just usually, nah, I don't know. And then they just move on to the next thing. And so. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, because you some of them throw out jokes that are from later episodes. So, like, it's a joke mm-hmm. that they didn't use in this episode, but they were like, well, we'll throw it next week's episode. Yeah. And it seemed like a lot of times they don't even have scripts. Like, literally, they'll come up with ideas, and then they'll walk him and Matt, you know, Trey Stone and Matt Parker, or Trey Parker and Matt Stone, literally just walk down the hallway, get in the audio booth, and just start going back and forth over shit. You know, each doing whatever voices they need to do, and then throw shit together. And then, I think Trey, Trey Parker does have to write the scripts out to send off to Comedy Central, just so they have something to approve, or say, oh, you can't do this, can't do that, or whatever, because you still have to go through standard and practices. Yeah. The animators are talking about, they're like, this could change five times in the next 24 hours, but Mm -hmm. we just, because we don't have any time, we have to start animating it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically give them an idea of what the episode's going to be about, and they just start working on, like, backgrounds and characters they're going to need and all that stuff. And there's literally people that their job is uh, uh, like lip sync, essentially. <laughs> they just go through the audio and try to match the the correct mouths up to it and whatnot. And yeah, it's like, it's incredible. Like I, it's one of those things that's like, oh, fuck, I want to, I want to work in a writer's room like that where you just bullshit for forever. But then they do show that the, the uh, downside to that is while they're in the writer's room and they're stuck and they don't know what they're going to do, they literally are just like, yeah, this is probably going to be a 5 a.m. night, maybe a 10 a.m. where they just keep going into the next day. 
And it shows animators like sleeping under their desk and stuff, just waiting to get the word that, okay, they're done. They're, they got, they got the whole thing figured out so they can just start working on it. So it's, it's an incredible process. But man, um, they do talk about <laughs> basically they've pissed off so many people in Hollywood that they don't really have friends anymore. That's funny. So that's basically why they're like, yeah, the first couple seasons it was, uh, you know, like George Clooney, like, hey, I want to I want to be in an episode. And they made him like a dog. So it's just George Clooney barking and stuff Just something funny and just stupid, you know. And apparently they don't get phone calls like that anymore. So. Yeah, it's like Jerry Seinfeld is one of the random turkeys in an episode. Well, he Not even <laughs> all the turkeys, just one of the turkeys. And I don't even think that happened. I think that's what they offered him and he turned it down. And this is back, I think, when Seinfeld was still on. So he was like, you know, like one of the highest paid people on television. And he's like, I want to be in an episode. And they're like you could play a turkey. And he's like, no, I don't want to be a turkey. So. <laughs> you can understand why he might not want to be a turkey. Sure. But the best thing is they have their own like little corner of entertainment. So they could just do whatever the fuck they want. Cause they don't care about celebrity and all that stuff. No. And at this point, they've, what are you going to do? Fire them and right. just have to go and be rich and famous for the rest of their lives, but not make the show. Like it's, <laughs> you can't take away from them what they've built. Right. No, it would be, yeah, it would be stupid. <laughs> so they just do their shit. Maybe they finally make Ergasmo too. Maybe. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just fascinating, especially to watch just Trey Parker and Matt Stone working together. Because Matt Stone even talks about that, uh, you know, when everything hit, um, they both got, like, insane offers to go and do stuff. And, you know, Trey Parker did, um, well, they did, like, Orgasmo and fucking uh, basketball and all that stuff. But really, like, Trey's been sort of in charge of all that stuff. And Matt got a bunch of offers to do it. He's like, but that's just not, like, that's... That's not my wheelhouse. Like the only way that my stuff works is through Trey. Like essentially they need to sit and just go over stuff and all of my stuff goes through him and then, you know, works it out. Um, and then Trey brings it up like um, that basically he's like, it's sort of like a band. He's like, so. In Van Halen, yeah, Eddie Van Halen says, like, well, I write all the songs and I play guitar and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, but David Lee Roth quit. So you might be Van Halen, but you still suck without David Lee Roth. So he just compared it to, like, it's like the perfect, like, chemistry for those two. And there's no, there's no, like, ego or anything about who's doing what or whatever. It just... Yeah, just watching them go back and forth in the writer's room is it's brilliant. Yeah, the big, and, the yeah. big thing Matt Stone always says is he, he never gets offered like acting parts and stuff. People always want him to like write or direct something. And he's like, I don't do that. Trey does that. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a funny voice. I'm a funny guy. But <laughs> he's the writer. He's the director. Like, Yeah. 
Yeah, and he, you know, he's part of that. He's part of that whole writing and directing process. It's just, it's just, you know, it's it's collaborative shit. But it's just, yeah, if you have a chance to watch Six Days Till Air, um, highly recommended for me. I really enjoyed it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Hey, Doug, you were in charge of picking movies for next week. So hopefully you can cheer yourself up. What are we watching? I forgot. I forgot that I did that, didn't I? Oh, you son of a bitch! Um, I ah, shit. I don't know. Well, every class, let's all pull up the list. Take a look. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna say we're gonna do my stepmother is an alien and my boyfriend's back. Oh, man, gonna be happy the top of the list and going down until I found ones that I know I can find. <laughs> yeah, my wife's going to be super excited. She was just asking me about that movie the other day. My stepmom's an alien. What's that? She's a big fan of my stepmom's an alien, so she's going to be super excited when I tell her. Your, your mic's got now, Brian. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Hello? I know. Can you hear anything Brian is saying? Nope. All Hello. Right. I wonder if he's making good points. Check, check. Oh, I hear a horrible buzzing check. robot sound now. Hello. Am I back? No, no you no? sound you sound like a you sound like an insane robot. Robot, robot attack, robot. Okay, no, no. Now, now that you're just yelling robot, now you sound normal. Oh, well, that's that's bullshit. I was saying My Stepmother's an Alien is one of Amanda's favorite movies from growing up, so she's going to be excited when I tell her. Sweet. Well, I've never seen either of these movies, so going in blind. I think I saw both of them a long time ago. Like, I don't remember anything about them. So part of our My series, which is, what was it, My Mother's a Werewolf and My Best Friend's a Vampire? Yep, we're supposed to do them back to back this episode and that episode, so people can think about how long this movie's been on the list. <laughs> it's right up there with our, our uh, what was it like our Lifetime movies and Masters of the Universe that have been on the oh, list since yeah. the very beginning. This one says Wedlock. Is that even right? Or is it supposed to be Deadlock? Both those titles are the title of that movie. It is both called Wedlock and Deadlock. Oh, okay. And that's why it, that's why it didn't get picked, just because I'm like, what the fuck is Wedlock? <laughs> that's the that's the one where you're in prison and you're like paired up with another person, and you both have explosive collars, and if you get too far apart, they explode. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that the Running Man? No, the Running Man is your head explodes if you just leave a certain area. You're not connected to another person. Sorry, I didn't realize there was such detail and explosive collars. Most different explosive collars work in different ways. You gotta be specific. Holy shit! What? In my stepmother is an alien. The little girl's fucking Allison Hannigan. Yeah. How did I not know that? I don't know. Oh yeah, and Seth Green's in it. There's yeah, so Seth yeah. Green and Allison Hannigan are in it together, right? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. John Lovitz, Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. Yeah, so should be fun. Should be fun. These late eighties. Is that what it was? Yeah, I have no idea what what I've gotten us into by picking these movies, but 
Uh, some fun, wholesome, uh, light, super light horror. Yeah, we'll see. I, uh, at one point I was going to try to pick something serious to have like an actual intelligent discussion next week, but then I remembered which podcast I'm on. And then, uh, tried to find some horror movies on here, but we're running low on those. So. Well, time to get a new, uh, new list out. Yeah. Oh, Julia Lewis is in this. I wonder if she had a problem with the alien talk since she's a gigantic Scientologist. I don't know. Perhaps that's something you could research and let us all know about next week. <laughs> Maybe. Did you know did you know who her dad is? No. Jeffrey Lewis? Like one of those guys that's in everything? I don't know who Jeffrey Lewis is. He was in uh, the Devil's Rejects. He was the leader of the band. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's her dad. Yep. That makes sense. Oh, Matthew Fox is in your boyfriend's back. Or really? my boyfriend's back. My entire knowledge of that film is based on, like, when it was new, like, and I was, like, in high school, and somebody telling me that they went and saw it and hated it. But then when they kept describing it to me, I just kept thinking, that sounds great. So, oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in my boyfriend's back. Awesome. Playing a character named Chuck Bronsky. It's the sure best name is. ever. I don't see why he wouldn't be named that. But Matthew McConaughey's in it as guy number two. Oh, this is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman in, in this picture is wearing like a letterman's jacket. He's got his hat on backwards, trying to look tough. Good for him. <laughs> I bet you he doesn't look tough at all. <laughs> no. Got a bunch of random people in it. <laughs> like, and apparently Edwin Neal's in it. This might be the best episode ever. Thanks a lot, Doug. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. We'll find out next week whether these are good movies or not. Again, chosen because I started at the top of the list and was like, not sure if I can find that. Not sure if I can find that. Not sure if I can find that. Ooh, I know how to find both of these movies. Did you find a picture of Matthew McConaughey and my boyfriend's bang? No. I just clicked on the character's name and this picture of him popped up with his hat backwards. I'm not sure if there is a picture of man number two oh, well, yeah, guy number two. Think about how much sooner we could have all experienced Matthew McConaughey if only he'd been guy number one and not guy number two. Right. Relegated to a background role. As you said, Edwin Neal, the hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw. Right. Man, this better be a good movie, Doug, or you're in trouble. I'm assuming it's not going to be a good movie, but it's probably going to be entertaining. <laughs> well, I'm thinking hopefully it's one of those movies that's like not good for mainstream audiences, but it'll be enjoyable for us. That's what I'm hoping for. Also, nobody will say. Just, just make sure you watch the 1993 movie and not the 1989 movie. Oh, shit, that could get confusing. That's oh. a very different My Boyfriend's Back. What's that one about? I do believe it's about the band who sang My Boyfriend's Back. Oh, okay. What about My Boyfriend's Dogs from 2014? <laughs> it's a Boyfriend's Month now. Is that what's happening? Uh, <laughs> I accidentally see. kick something off. My Boyfriend's Back, 1989. A female singing group from the 60s reunites for a TV special. Directed by Paul Schneider, who also did Baywatch, apparently. The movie or the show? The show. It's awesome. You definitely want directors from the Baywatch TV show 
taking over your movie. It's always a good sign. <laughs> just, just a band running in slow motion for three quarters of the movie, and at the end they sing a little. And I literally think, yeah, okay, I'm getting confused because now I'm looking at the 1989 boy boyfriend's back and being like, "What's up with this guy?" Let's tell you the movie we're going to talk about. <sighs> Too many damn confusing titles. Star-studded movies for next week. Oh, Sandy, Sandy Duncan's in the '89 <laughs> one. Un- unexpectedly star-studded. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.